Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Story Darlings podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Tara. And with us today is Jesse. So welcome, Jesse, to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Jesse, for everyone listening, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I uh, am an avid book reader and actually met Sandra through Bookstagram, Instagram for like book readers. <laughs> I refer to it as a separate thing from Instagram because I have like a personal Instagram and then I have my Bookstagram account. And then, and that was like almost a year ago now, actually, which is crazy to think about. It time flies when you're in quarantine, I guess, or lockdown or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I, I'm marveling at the fact that you have two, a bookstagram and an Instagram, and I can't even handle one. Like, I can't, like, get, I don't know. <laughs> this is so mortifying, but actually I have three because my dog has one too. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I have a personal and a bookstagram, and I can't keep up with either. So I'm like, I, I feel you, Tara. I remember when, like, we connected, Jesse. That feels like so long ago. It's like the black hole of this two-year pandemic, I guess. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like that was two years ago. But if, was it really one year ago? Yeah. April of 2021, I think, is when I made my account. And you were, like, one of my first connections that I made. Yeah. And to be clear, I, like rarely post on my personal one and then like I just posted for the first time on the bookstagram one this morning after like three months of not posting at all so you know yeah bookstagram is a wild place and then there's like little sub genres of bookstagram too because you have like the fantasy people and then you have like the romance people and it's just it's a crazy place it really is yeah mm -hmm. but it's, it's a fun place to be especially when you can't leave your house this is true yep and you want some good book recommendations. That's, I guess that's a good segue into like this is like, so the topic of today's episode is from Blood and Ash, just book one in the series by Jennifer Armantrout. And I came across this series from Bookstagram. I just kept seeing the cover everywhere and everyone kept comparing it to, you know, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And I was like, okay, I love that. So Maybe I'll read this one. So that's kind of how I came to it. What about you two? Well, Tara, you know. Yeah, I came across it by Sandra saying, you're reading this. You're reading this now. <laughs> I read so I read it. Sorry. Short story of, of how it, it came on my radar. What about you, Jesse? For me, I actually bought it in like April of 2020. I bought like five books online and had them ordered. This one and Throne of Glass. And then there were like three other ones. I don't even remember which ones they were because sometimes I like buy the first book in several series to just have so that I like can try and get out of a book slump if I have one. And then I didn't pick it up for like nine months. I read the, like the, almost the entire Throne of Glass series and then like went through a really bad book slump and mm. then picked this one up and read it in about like three days and which is a hefty book to do it that quickly. But I did it. And then this book actually led me to JLA's Facebook spoiler series or like group. She has a group that she runs where she like enters like synopsis or little like spoiler clips of the books that are mm -hmm. coming out and stuff like that. And then through that group, I actually created my bookstagram account. So, oh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I remember this was after we had connected already, but I remember seeing you post in there because Fairy Loot had those gorgeous editions come out. And don't we both have like July birthdays or some or June or July or summer birthdays or something like that? Yeah, mine. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you had posted like uh, that you were so excited to get those books. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know her. I saw your post <laughs> in that group. And it was just like a dork moment. But yeah, I love her community group. I feel like everyone's mostly positive and it's like seeing the teasers for the next book kills me because I want to know what's happening now. But yeah, right. good yeah. fun. I, it's just more stuff. Yeah, for you, Tara, too. If you ever want to go that far <laughs> into it. Definitely finish reading the ones that are out before you join that group, though, because oh yeah, they go real hard. Like they give you a month to read the books after they've been released, but then there's like no spoiler warnings. You will read things that you do not want to know yet. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Jesse, you're like the fastest reader I've ever come across, I feel like. I just don't have a lot of other hobbies. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm just like, damn, you'll you'll be like, oh, yeah, I like read this book all night. And then it's like a couple days and I feel like you've read a, like two, three books. I'm just like, where do you get this energy from? Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. Well, and part of the problem with being a speed reader is that like I will I will miss things like I've read even just when doing my read through for this, like I missed things in the first book that like I because I just read it so quickly the first few times that I read it. So like that's part of the reason why I like doing rereads is because I mm -hmm. reading fast is not always a good thing. <laughs> it, yeah. But when the story is so good, yeah, you can't yeah. put it down. I don't know how you read, but when I was reading this the first time, I like take a highlighter. I have my just the paperback copy of it and I just like tab everything. It's like color coded and then I just like go through and highlight stuff that I've liked. And that's how I, I read it the first time. I'm, I just go really slow. I love that. I didn't, it never even occurred to me to like tab books that are like for your enjoyment before like Bookstagram and like other people like on Facebook and stuff like posting about how they do it and it's something that like I want to do but it's very intimidating <laughs> yeah well it's like there's the fairy loot editions right so I'm like okay if there's like a special edition I'm not going to read that one I won't touch it but if it's like this you know a, a copy that I can pick up anywhere I'm like it's okay I I was like very hesitant about doing it too but I, I kind of like it now I used to be like a big Kindle reader and I still love the thing I do like about Kindle reading is connecting it to your Goodreads account. And so you can like pop up all of your highlights and stuff that way and look at it um, to jog your memory and stuff. But yeah, this, it kind of helps when coming back to it because I didn't do a reread for this episode and it's probably been a solid year since I read it, Jesse. So I'm like, I was like having trouble remembering like the lore in this series and like the different you know hierarchies of the craven and stuff like that and i was just like eh, hopefully jesse remembers <laughs> i'm i'm worried i'm having a hard time remembering like what happened in book one versus book two because i read them at the same time like like back to back no no in between no like yeah. break so i'm, I'm like i remember i re obviously i read reread it so i remember how it ends now but like there were parts when I, when I was first thinking about it, I was like, well, did that happen in the first book or the second book? Because, like, yeah. Lots of things happen in both of them. So, yeah. And it was like, Tara, I know you've started reading the second book, right? 
Yeah, so I might have the same issue because I'm like 20% into this one. I'm like, okay, is this is this something I should be talking about now? Or is this in that 20% that I should be talking about later? So, you know, we're okay. going to all make that mistake together. So it'll be okay, right? Yeah. Just everyone listening, just full disclosure, this may bleed into the second book. So who knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, before we dive into the subject matter, let's do friendly check-ins. So how you doing, Tara? What's new? I'm doing okay. I know Sandra knows. About, you don't sound okay. Like, like I'm doing crappy, really, but I'm trying to keep a like a positive, I don't know, take on this. But me and my whole family have COVID right now, so we are not feeling the greatest. And you can probably hear it in my voice that I'm not feeling the greatest. So I'm also talking a lot less than I normally do, which may or may not be a good thing, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's your sour. Any, that's, any my, that's, that's <laughs> definitely my sour. My sweet is my daughter is doing really, really great. She's the only one that did not test positive because she has no symptoms. We didn't actually test her for COVID, but I think she probably likely does have it because we're all up in each other's business. But she won an award on Wednesday at school. And so she's just filling herself right now. And she's doing really great in her reading, which I'm a big reader, but she had some issues starting in second grade with reading and she she just couldn't pick it up. She It just it didn't come naturally to her. And so she tried really hard and it made her sad and stuff. And she came home from school last week and was really excited because she had like brought up her reading on this like test that they did a significant amount. And so she was just really excited. But she's gotten into, and I'm going to mispronounce this, but manga. So like the Japanese like anime and stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's helping her and getting getting herself back up and reading but yay carly go girl i know i was proud of her yeah i'm sorry you don't feel well yeah uh, yeah but what about you i don't i don't <laughs> want to end on a like negative note i hate negative notes but a, a sour for me is like my hair is like falling out i don't know like what's going on i can't like I tried getting a haircut to see if that would help and I'm just like still losing a lot of hair. I don't know if it's stress related or what. So I'm like trying to figure out different ways, like trying different things in my hair and buying hair brushes and things. Is it maybe age because my hair is doing the exact same thing? Probably. Jesse, don't tell anyone how old we are, but we're like mid 30s. We're like over the mid 30 hump. Yeah, it's probably age. I don't know. I just, I feel like a couple of years ago it was a lot better, but it's just like nonstop. And so it's just getting really gross and it's just everywhere and it's just disgusting. So I'm like, I need to fix this. And then positive. I'm just really, really loving my job at the Sexual Assault Center. So um, trying to plan our voices gala in April. It's kind of like a Me Too voices type of thing. So we have like a speaker who was like a Bill Cosby survivor, but from the statute of limitations, she was never to take any like legal action against it. So she's very vocal and goes around trying to change laws around that. So she's going to be our keynote speaker. And then we have other interesting people that are really interested in, in sharing their stories too. Like one woman was kidnapped and 
held for a couple days and like she was raped and held for a couple days. And there was like this California court case about it. And so she's recently published a book and is figuring out her book tour. So she wants to make a stop and speak at the event and stuff too. So it's just like really powerful stories. And it's not like all hopeless. And these women are so mm-hmm. strong with everything that they've been to, like been through. And so just kind of spreading that message. I don't know. I'm really excited about it. They haven't been able to have an annual event the last couple of years because of the pandemic. So we're trying to just hit like reset and do like something a little bit fancier and and just like relaunch the whole thing again, get everyone excited about our mission and and that kind of thing. So that's been like a big suite. It's like a stressful suite, but it's like a fun suite. That's so, awesome. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? So my suite is I finally got to go on my honeymoon after I got married. And I guess my sour would be that I got super sunburned. So I live in Colorado and we went to Florida for our honeymoon. So like I'm not used to the sun, obviously, in January. And we did wear sunscreen, but because of my Scandinavian ancestry, I guess, that's what I'm going to say. Thanks, Dad. But I (laughs) burned so easily that like. It, it was really bad and it's still actually I'm, it's, we've been home for a week and I'm still like recovering from like there's some like some not greatness going on so every time I go to Florida I end up <laughs> that way so I I feel you on the sunburn thing yeah so. or Tara yeah growing up Tara is like the palest person I've ever met in my life it's horrible when you go from like really white to red and that's the only kind of in between you have. Like it's either I'm really, really pale or I'm sunburnt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's me too. So we're in we're in that together, Tara. Just so you know, if you have aloe, it works miracles on that. Like if you can find an aloe plant or something and Yeah. Just- I I kid you not, I've applied aloe like three times a day. That's how bad the sunburn was that like it, it's still there. <laughs> I'm sorry. But at least it's you got it. to do your honeymoon. Yeah. yeah it was so, worth it. So you said it was a one year, like a one year anniversary after getting married? Yeah. So we got married on January fifteenth, twenty twenty one, but it was a pandemic wedding. So like it was just like our immediate family. And then we had like a party reception thing in October and then we finally had our honeymoon last week so now i'm i'm done i'm married i'm <laughs> like I felt like it took a year but we're there and yeah it's really nice well congratulations on getting married and then congratulations for your one-year anniversary that's awesome yeah any sours well i guess the sunburn were you making yeah, the sunburn that was sour my, that was yeah. my sour what are you what you reading right now you're always reading something so i just finished this week i finished up the caraval trilogy and the uh first two books in the bridge kingdom series which the third one's not out yet and i didn't know that when i started reading it but you know (laughs) that's fine i think that's (laughs) fine but so i'm actually kind of in between books right now and i'm trying to choose between starting flock because i've like had that on my tv forever because of you but I, so I feel like I need to start that. But then I also want to read the Romanov Oracle because it was a book written by one of my bookstagram people. Ooh, yeah. So she like just published it. So I feel like I want to read it and review it and like give her a little plug and like booster, you know, because we got to support each other. But 
I also really want to read Flock because it's been, but you told me it's going to make me cry. So I'm like apprehensive about it, but I want to read it. So. Uh, I love it. It's like as soon as the weather starts warming up, I'm going to make it like my summer read. It's like that type of book and it just like sits in your soul. And it is one that you're probably going to read in like 30 minutes, though, because you're not going to put it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to make sure that I have all of the books on hand to like read the whole thing all at once but I don't I mean everything makes me cry so like and everyone that has ever like even seen me talk about that book has been like it's so good you gotta read it and I'm like okay but like I don't want to like I'm gonna need some like time to heal afterwards it sounds like like, Mm -hmm. some time apart you know but for sure no, that series like haunted me for a while after, but it's like especially the second book where I'm just like sobbing beside myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's good though. I thought you were going to say something, Tara. No. Sorry. I'm like, why well, was, I but I was going to say it made me like more mad at a certain point too. And so it's sad and mad and you just get pu- pulled into the whole world. And I don't know, I had like that, like, after the book was over where I'm like, I just want to go back in and see what's going on now. I just, yeah, I just want more. And Jesse, you haven't read anything about the series, right? Yeah, no. So especially with bookstagram recommendations, I like to not read the back of books. And actually I did that with From Blood and Ash too, where like, I was just like, I have no idea what I'm getting into. I don't know what anything is happening right now, but I'm going to just start reading it because people have told me it's good or it's had five-star reviews on Amazon or Goodreads or, you know, whatever. So I feel like that's the best way to read a story because a lot of times the back of a book will, like, give stuff away, you know? Yeah, I hate that. It always gives away major plot points. I I approach Blood and Ash the same way. Like, I went into it completely blind. Like, I did, you know, flock the Ravenhood series. So that's, like, the way to do it because I get so angry when things are spoiled. So, but, yeah. What are you reading right now, Tara? I am not reading anything. Oh. I'm, I'm just laying in bed most of the day now. I did, however, watch a few 2020s, which is just a feel-good moment while you're sick, you know? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing. Yeah, I can't even poo-poo on that. You don't feel good, so you don't feel good, you know? Just take care of you. I'm, I'm getting a head start on February She Wrote. So if you've seen that hashtag floating around Bookstagram or Book Twitter recently, that was started by Benjamin from Literature and Lo-Fi is his handle. So he started the Indie August, which is, you know, exactly what it is. So every August, people just put a bunch of books written by indie authors on their TBR, and that's all they read for the month of August. So that was really successful. And so now this February, he's launching February, she wrote. So shout out, Benjamin. So I'm getting like a head start on those books. I have a couple thick, thick fantasy books that I'm reading. I feel like fantasy books are always kind of thick. So getting a head start on that. So reading an old book called To Ride Hell's Chasm by Jannie Wirtz, which I'm halfway through that one. And then H.M. Long has Temple of No God coming out. And then Sarah J. Moss's Crescent City 2 book. House of Sky and Breath. I'm so excited to read it. You read those, right, Jesse? I actually have not. So I learned my lesson with SJM. I need the second books to come out and for someone to tell me who to ship. 
before <laughs> I will read the book because I actually had a hard time reading A Court of Thorns and Roses because I have a really hard time noticing toxic traits in people <laughs> in general. And so I was very upset halfway through A Court of Mist and it took like all of Bookstagram and some of my like in-person friends to be like, no, reread it from the beginning. Notice how toxic this person is and then keep going. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. But I had a hard time with that with Throne of Glass. And so anytime she writes a series, I need the second book out and I need someone to tell me who to ship because I love, love, love her writing. And I mm. loved A Court of Thorns and Roses the second time I read it. Like I'm still obsessed with it. Court of Silver Flames, like, is my go-to comfort book now. But like, I need I need the second book to come out first. Yeah. So Sarah J. Moss's writing is so beautiful. And it's not like that confusing flowery writing that a, a lot of writers tend to have sometimes. Like it's so lush and atmospheric and emotional. And like I love her romance scenes and the smut like gets so much better. Like when you look at her smut from the Throne of Glass series mm-hmm. to a Court of Thorns and Roses, it's like night and day. And then you haven't read the first book of Crescent City, but I was a little disappointed because there there wasn't much of that in this, but I'm sure she'll go into it. But it's like back to what you said. I think I know what you're referring to with the series. I feel like Sarah J. Maas kind of like breaks your heart a little bit. Like for me, I was angry in A Court of Thorns and Roses with like that little thing, how that ended up turning out. And so I had to go back and like reread it from a different lens to understand that. And I just, I'm like bracing myself. I'm like, is that going to happen in this new series? I need like the next book. So totally feel you. Yeah. I'm so excited when it comes out like right after Valentine's Day. I'm going to just be off the radar reading this book. So, but, and you need to did amazing. Yeah, yeah, Tara, you should read these. <laughs> and we will, you know, but she did amazing in A Court of Silver Flames, I think, with like mental health and stuff. Like, I, the only other series that I feel like does better that I have read, disclaimer, that I have read that I think does better with mental health than Court of Silver Flames is um, The Stormlight Archive. You know, mm, oh, I need to read that. Oh, yeah, I have to read that. But like, like it wasn't so incredibly impressive for me because especially with smutty books people tend to be like oh it's just smut there's no depth to it or whatever but like court of silver flames just killed me Mm -hmm. (laughs) inside so yep you would really like these books tara i think they feel less i don't know i had a trouble first reading blood and ash it just i don't know if it's the writing style or what because they're very distinct authors like their writing styles armin trout and moss I just really love Moss. I feel like it's just very cinematic and it's easy for me to read it. I don't know what my hangup was with Blood and Ash, but they are different in that sense. So maybe you would have like an easier time with Moss. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like making stuff up. But So Sandra's trying to talk me into this because I have mentioned a few times that I had a large problem getting through from Blood and Ash because the first like half of the book was just so long for me it's and I couldn't well. like it didn't draw me into anything it was it was I don't know it was kind of like reading a textbook like here's here's all the definitions you're gonna need to know here's the like places I don't know 
But then halfway through the book, I got drawn in and then I finished it within like a day. But it took me like three months to finish that first half. It was it was bad. Not bad book, but like it was hard for me to read. And that's fair. I will say I read the acknowledgement in the paperback. I have the same copy as you, Sandra, where she talks about the fact that this was her first high fantasy. Right. And I kind of and she's she's a renowned author and she has like over 60 published books Mm -hmm. but most of her books I think are low fantasy where like they're set in modern day so like you don't have to set up the world you don't have to do a lot of world building and I feel like you can tell that in the beginning of From Blood and Ash whereas with Moss she wrote Throne of Glass before she wrote A Court of Thorns and Roses so Throne of Glass has a similar feel for me although I, I do think she did it a little bit better but Court of Thrones and Roses, like she does not do a lot of world building at the beginning. She doesn't do a lot of like that the way that JLA did in From Blood and Ash. And From Blood and Ash, it was very slow, like you said, at the first half. But then like when it picks up, I feel like it snowballs. And yeah. like, like I couldn't put like I said, I read the first two books like back to back because I couldn't you can't wait, you know? <laughs> Jesse has to read them now. Yeah. Yeah. So With that said, why don't we jump into like a non-spoilery kind of overview of what the Blood and Ash series is. Jesse, I don't know if you feel comfortable kind of giving just that surface level about the series. Feel free to totally do that. But you and I both went into it completely blind. So, I mean, we had no idea what type of like supernatural or fantasy, I guess, subgenre serious this kind of was it was kind of fun for me like peeling back those layers and figuring out oh you know this is about i'm like I, should i say the word I'm like is that a spoiler <laughs> yeah, I've, and sandra uh-huh. didn't even tell me that yeah. part either so i went into it like completely blind <laughs> i was just like okay this is the book somebody told me to read and i have to read it but i had no clue what even genre it was because like i didn't look that up but yeah yeah i mean it was it would be a spoiler for me, but I feel like it's not like it's not like a plot spoiler, I guess. Yeah. But like, I mean, if we go straight in, you know, the the basic non-spoilery, there's no spoilers. This is just like a brief summary is Poppy is the maiden. She has this destiny and the rulers of her country, which is the only country in the world, is they have her chosen as this and she was chosen by the gods to fulfill this destiny but she has a lot of apprehension about it she's nine 18 18 years old and doesn't know much about the world she's not sure that she wants to fulfill her destiny but she knows she has to because it's for the good of all but she doesn't really know her destiny entails there's a lot of mystery around it and she's not really allowed to ask questions and she's you know very isolated and she is a little rebellious so she breaks the rules and meets a boy and things happen and yeah (laughs) and then you find out more as you read so you know that's that's the most non-spoilery version I've got in me I I like that quote she meets a boy and then things happen (laughs) as they do you know with that I think we can jump into spoilers. I think we've pretty much danced around it as much as we possibly can without just 
talking about the themes and what, you know, who these characters are and stuff like that. So as you're reading the book, so yes, spoiler segment now. So as you're reading the book, you learn terms like craven and the way they come across in the reading is they kind of sound like these like zombie-like vampire things that, you know, feed off of human blood and stuff like that. But they're just like, yeah, you're going to say something? So for me, I pictured them as zombies, essentially, right? Like zombies. Mm -hmm. And my husband is actually halfway through the first book. He wants to read it so that he can listen to our episode. And good husband. Yeah. He was like, he was like, is this a werewolf book? And I was like, I'm not going to give you any information on that at all because I didn't have any information on that at all. But so he pictures them as more werewolf type creatures, which I think is like, okay, you know, because they don't eat the people, they bite them and stuff. So I'm like, I can kind of see it, you know, like, but they're creatures of some sort of thing. Yeah. They reminded me of like the Strigoi from the Vampire Academy books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the the bad vampires that kind of turn. Yeah. So I've only read the, two yeah. two of those, but yeah, I can I definitely see that likeness. Yeah, so we're introduced to these Craven and then there there's like all kinds of world building that Armantrout dumps on us with like her being the chosen with like the ascended and this this dark one that exists somewhere this prince castile and his brother malik or malik malik and so she just like dumps all of this like world stuff on us but what what is the term for the others like not the, the craven the there's the atlantean the ascended and the craven yeah and then there's also briefly mentioned Wolven, because her dagger is made out of woven bone. And I'm trying to remember what other like creatures there are. But there there's the little rat things, whatever those were. Oh, <laughs> oh that the, that scene got me they're like bear rats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I picture them as the R-O-U-S's from the Princess Bride, the rats of unusual size. Oh, yeah. The swamp area and Wesley's like I don't think they exist and then one attacks them that's that's what I picture when I picture those creatures <laughs> yeah those things are nasty and then Armin Trout writes this scene where they're getting like a little hot and heavy but like not crossing that line yet in the woods too when he's taking yeah. her you know wherever <laughs> that there was those I don't know if there were other monsters too but but there were so many like god lore too like listing up like rattling off all of these different gods and stuff too so you're kind of introduced to that Tara and Quink and locations. Yes, mm-hmm. there were a lot of different locations that you were learning about and their history as well. Yeah, yeah, kind of build up why this is important. And actually, I don't. I'm checking right now, but is there a map in the book in book one? I, I don't think there was. Or I saw a map somewhere. I don't know if it was in the book or if it was. Oh, on there is a map page, that but... exists, but I don't know that there's a map in the first book. No, my copy doesn't have one. Mine doesn't either. I wonder if the second one does, because she has them, like, on her web. Yeah, maybe she did add it. I feel like the scope of the first book, for the most part, it was very centered on this duke and duchess, like, estate or whatever you want to call it. 
you know, just kind of her day-to-day life. Macedonia or whatever. Yeah. There's like, yeah, Carcedonia, maybe? Oh, that's probably right. Carcedonia. I think Macedonia is a real country. Yeah. Is a different section in the book. So the second book has a map. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just found it and you can't see, but it's in the second book. Yeah. Yeah. And up at the top there is is Macedonia and then Carcedonia. I don't know. I'm really bad with pronunciation. Let me see. Me too. Unless I listen to the audiobook. But like sometimes they have the little pronunciation thing. I don't think this book had one at the end. No, she has them in the Facebook group. She's like uh-huh. uh, done some like pronunciation posts before, but you'd have to be in the in the group to yeah see them. Let's talk a little bit about Poppy's life with the Duke and Duchess. So her backstory is that her her family was murdered, right? Her, her parents were, yeah, yeah, and so. She has been selected by the gods to be become an ascended, and she has these like instinctual things where she feels very uneasy about it for a good reason. We come to find out, and then there's also this stuff where the third born of just regular families and stuff are given up to like is it to serve the ascended? Oh, yeah, how they, yeah, yeah, part has always confused me because. So there's the there's the second sons and daughters, and then the third sons and daughters, is that correct? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and so Tawny is, does she have two older siblings? I can't remember. So like it's very it's very vague, especially in the beginning. I think of like all of the all of the people have to give up a certain generation of their children so like second sons and daughters or third sons and daughters gender doesn't matter but they are given to serve the gods yeah and it's pitched as like this honor Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's like addressed in this first book but you know story plot stuff tara i won't say anything just in case even though you're reading no it is addressed in the first book as to at least Hawk's, like, point of version view. of what happens to those second, third daughters. Because he was, he was very Cause we had the clear that he thought that they were very dumb to believe that that's what was happening with them. Because the, there's that scene in the first book where the husband and wife were asking the Duke and Duchess if they could speak to the gods about letting them keep their third child because their first two died mysteriously. And they, they want right. to keep their child. And the, the Duke and Duchess were like, sorry, we don't make the rules, bro. Yeah, that's right. That's like getting me remembering now. There's a lot of people in this place where their children are mysteriously or even like spouses too, just wasting away like a wasting sickness and just dying that way. And we figure out that it is from these not craven <laughs> with hawk hawk. In the first book, I think when he reveals who he is, tells Poppy that it's really that the Ascended are like feeding off of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, according to Hawk, that's the, the Ascended are the real bad guys, which according to my husband, that's like super obvious. But, you know, they <laughs> I, to their own. 
I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say when you meet the Duke, you should have a clue that the Ascendant are not the great guys. I mean, uh, I think it's, I think yeah. I would even say like once you meet Lord, is it Mazine? Mazine, uh, creep. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a clue from the very beginning that these people were not like the best in the world. But you were supposed to Just think that they beat the alternative, right? Like that's what Poppy thinks. That's yeah. better than the evil ascended or not ascended Atlanteans. Yeah. I feel like such a dumbass because I was reading this first book. I totally just did not realize that the dark one mentioned in the beginning was Hawk. Like, I just didn't put it together. I'm just like, oh, story, da, 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 da. And when it happened, I was like, oh. So that one I caught on because he had just showed up when the things that they're like, oh, that's definitely an Atlantean or whatever happened. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, mm, there's some timing things happening right now. Yeah, but my husband thought that it was going to be a love triangle and I was really hoping he would continue to think that and he like hasn't obviously gotten to that reveal yet so at this point in time so he is starting to think that Hawk is Castile but he's like it could still be a triangle but it's probably not Wait, and I'm like who are the people in his triangle like I Poppy. get Hawk and I get Poppy but who who's the third one well, he thinks that he thinks that they're okay. a triangle well he he thought that in the first time he read the first chapter because he did like go through six months where he didn't read it at all so then he had to reread the beginning mm-hmm. okay that makes more sense to me but I'm like there's not a third person like <laughs> yeah. unless you're gonna put her with one of the old people like Victor yeah, in which case. <laughs> oh, can we talk about Victor? I loved him as like a father type of figure. I just I felt so bad for Poppy because she literally she has Tawny, but like Tawny is like her lady in wait or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like they're still good friends, but she literally has no one else. And I just feel so bad for her. I love the first chapter like that first chapter hooked me. I was like, oh, this girl is like supposed to be all like untainted and so inexperienced and innocent and she's out of brothel right now (laughs) and (laughs) then the things that she's seeing there i was just i wish i could see this on screen because i feel like it would be really fun to watch happen especially when she goes upstairs into room number six (laughs) yeah well and i loved victor like he had such a dilemma in most times because he had to try and keep her safe and kind of shrouded a little bit in order to keep her safe but then he was also trying to expose her to different things to make her happy yeah as much as he had like yeah he had such a dilemma of trying to treat her like a normal person but then also trying to keep her safe by treating her like the maiden well yeah it's a very good contrast between like following orders right and and Mm -hmm. doing what's right because like Especially if you contrast how Victor protected Poppy versus how Hawk protected Poppy. Like, obviously, Hawk has a little bit of a upper leg on that. But, like, Victor protected her the best way that he could, you know. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't necessarily enough. And I th- I do really, my heart really breaks for him because I think that he was put in a position where, like, if he had the power to, he would have he taken Poppy out of that yeah. heartbeat, you know. He he definitely looked at her like a daughter, and she definitely looked at him like a dad. Yeah. So, yeah. I- he was just plain human, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was, it was that scene where, first off, one of my favorite scenes of the book, where he, the Duke, has Poppy come in, and he makes that comment about, 
one of her one half of her face being a masterpiece, the other half is a nightmare. And then Hawk kind of has the comment, well, both halves are as beautiful as the whole. Mm-hmm. And it pisses the Duke off. And then later she gets punished for it with the caning, mm-hmm. the topless caning with this creep Maisine or whatever in the room. Mm-hmm. And that was the one scene where I was just like, oh, Victor. I was so torn with how to feel about Victor because Victor was like outside of the door after it happened and she was leaving. And like he couldn't do anything about it. I wanted him to do something, but it's like, okay, step back for a minute because he is a powerless human as compared to these other people. So I just felt bad about that. Oh, yeah, that scene, that scene makes me cringe. Even like I skip it most of the time when I do a reread because I, I, I like it was a good scene for her to put in the book. Like I'm not trying to trash it at all, but like it's such a hard read, you know, yeah. putting myself in that like mindset of like how that would feel and like what that would be like. I can't I can't handle it. Yeah. Poppy later would never let that happen. But that one, I mean, she was like held down and just had to kind of take it and. But it's okay. The Duke gets his just desserts whenever Hawk or mm-hmm. Castile finally happened, you know, figures out what happened. So, and yeah, that was, so go ahead. Lord, yeah, I was about to say, that so does the Lord, but that's Poppy's hand. What does she, how does she do it? I can't remember how she did that with Maisine. Isn't uh-huh. it something to do with, no, it's not the cane, because the cane's for the Duke. Oh, yeah. yeah, the cane was like through the duke's chest when pot when hawk had yeah. from the ceiling and then the heartbreaking death of victor happens and lord mazine says something to him to her about victor and she does she like decapitate him yes she just yeah. like slices him up or something blood everywhere type of massacres him yeah that's right that was a scene where I was like cheering for her. You go. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my favorite scenes is one that I was cheering for her too. Like when she went on the wall and was like trying to protect the city from the Craven, like before Hawk knew that broke the rules a little bit and wasn't just the like dutiful little maiden. And so she escaped her room and went up there and was fighting them. And like, I loved that because she was learning yeah. who she was as a person. She was like kicking ass in her nighty or something. Nighty and mm-hmm. slippers. Yeah. I like that scene. And I like the comment that Hawk made too about her, the dress being the, the death of him. I think this is that part. He has, he says so many good things. I like meant to try and like pick out my favorite scenes and stuff, but I'm just like, it gets to a point where if you try and mark everything, you can't find anything. You got to color code and like, these are my favorite scenes. Lots of peeing, right on. lots of romance and smut ones. I also like his, like, talking to her and the priestess when the priestess was correcting her on the pronunciation of something. Oh, He's like, God. actually, you're wrong. That's where I'm from. Like, bitch, please. I love that. Yeah, that was funny. And she's like, shit, I'm going to get in trouble again for something he says. Yeah. I'm going to say, so you got, so every, like a lot of the scenes we've talked about are a lot of my favorite scenes. I really love when she gets to behead Mazine and when Castile corrects the priestess and stuff. But one part later on in the book that I really like that, like, even just thinking about it has me swooning a little bit is when he's like, 
she's like running for it. I'm I'm checking really quick to make sure that it's actually in this book and not in I think it is next book. But she's like running for it and he like captures her and he like says something like, you know, I could put up with all of it, but the worst thing is I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how he's I'm trying to remember how he says it. He's like, you forgot or something and then he like bites her. Any scene where he bites her, I'm just like, yeah, you could bite me anytime, too. And Sandra says, I'm the one who is bad. <laughs> just wait until the second book. Like, the second and third books, I love. Like, Armitra's really good at leaving you on a cliffhanger, too. Like, the end of this book is just like, was it the proposal? Yeah, well, it was the non-existent proposal. So that's something that actually bothered me a lot in this book. Like, like. It was kind of a ha-ha bother because I could immediately start reading the second book. But if I had read this book when it was released and I had to wait six months to a year for the second book to come out, I would have been so mad. Because it was literally mid-conversation. Like, yeah. I remember reading it and I was like, wait, did that really just happen without like a big, you know, thing about it? Yeah. Like, fortunately, she put to the end, like, also from A Thousand and One Dark Nights, like, keep reading because I definitely was was like it, this is the kind of ending that would have me like flip the page and start reading the acknowledgement section because I was I'd be like wait that's it how is that the end of this book oh like yeah kill me is this the book where she s- stabs him yeah I okay. guess so <laughs> yeah I also that's, I didn't that's know what happens to... right before he says you forgot or whatever she's yeah his heart and I didn't know because I didn't know how to feel about the whole scene because, A, I couldn't believe that she just, like, stabbed him. I was just in shock because, I mean, it's a story, but it's like, what if he would have died? But, I mean, we got a good snow scene, I think. It was snowing or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't make butter be. I'm just, but, I'm just enjoying that it's not me talking about this right now and getting a hard time. But every, every other episode, it's Tara talking I know. about the romance. She likes... The, the seek and love stuff, but it's really the smut people. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is. I, I prefer my smut with love, but, you know, that, that could just be me. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to bring it back to with this series is just like, this goes back to that hashtag consent is sexy, Tara. Like, <laughs> how Castile, I don't know how we want to refer to him now, but how Castile just approached all of these you know, intimate moments with her. I just really appreciated that. Because typically it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's not even a thing. Like people just kind of get together and, you know, whatever. But he like made it a deal to make sure she was okay with it. Well, and he had like the little extra incentive to do that because he had the power to kind of like make her do what he wanted. So I think he kind of did that just to make sure it wasn't him. You're talking about like, yeah. But he didn't use it on her, right? I know he didn't. Yeah, he yeah. was just making sure that, like, you know, yeah. she understood that it was her choice and not him either compelling her or trying to, like, mm-hmm. force her. So it's interesting to me because, as, like, something my husband has pointed out is there were a lot of times, especially at the beginning of the book, where she would, like, tell him to get off her or, like, tell him to leave or something, and he would not do it. Maybe I need to go back and reread. Which I was like, I was like, well, a lot of the times with romance novels, like, 
that's the way it is, you know, and you kind of have to yeah. just accept the fact that, like, he somehow knows that she doesn't really want him to get off her. But, like, I do think especially, like, this this book is really good about him making sure that he has her consent in most of the ways. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I the act if, itself. Yeah, if she had really not wanted him to, he made it clear that he would not, like, force himself on her. But that's something that actually bothers me with a lot of, of romance novels in general is they do have the tendency to make it seem like the male love interest should just know when she means it and when she doesn't. And that's very conflicting, especially in like older written romance mm-hmm. novels. Like there's some, there's some sketchy stuff. Like I've done some rereads of some books that I loved when I was like 13 and I was like not understanding how that kind of thing works and like how, brains work I guess because I was like well then they should know in real life when I want it and when I don't and it's like no you have to use your word you know yeah even like romanticizing stalking and stuff which happens in so many romance stories it's like that male (laughs) yeah oh Joe like that one of the problems I had was it got kind of annoying to me was just Poppy not trusting Castile Granted, he lied about some things. Okay, so we'll give her that. He did lie. Some rather large things. <laughs> okay, it was some large things. Like his who he was, <laughs> his, his whole personality. Hey, hey. The fact that he was there things. to kidnap her, you know, it's fine. <laughs> just just it's small fine. things. That's small white lies that didn't matter at all. Okay, so there were a couple. We'll give her those. Some but- red flags. It's a 600-page book. I mean, they're all about 600 and some pages long. But it's, like, so much of the book. And even, like, the next one, I had a problem with, like, her just not trusting him and just, like, drawing out this tension between them that I'm just, like, you two just need to go into a room and sit down and look each other in the eye and have a honest conversation together to work your shit out because it dragged, like, that aspect of the relationship dragged on so long to me so i go ahead sorry no you're fine i was just gonna say in the first book i don't know that i agree with that because and i'm looking it up right now but she doesn't even find out who he is until chapter like 36 like close to the end oh yeah that's the end yeah page 525 of the first book on the paperback edition that you have but to play devil's advocate for her like she went her whole life being told that this is the truth and that he's like this horrible horrible person and all of that and granted she had some doubts about all of that throughout her life but then to have it just like a flip and now I'm supposed to believe this guy that I grew up like is, you know, the Darth Vader of everything. And now he's like the Anakin and this nice, you know, loving, great guy. Like, I can I can see where she wanted a little more proof from him. Yeah, I agree. With okay. That. And I really appreciated the Star Wars reference. Thank you. Maybe. Okay, I stand corrected. Maybe it's the next book that it bothers me. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get there. But yeah. I haven't got there, but that in this means- book, in this book, it takes her a really long time to even learn that he's not who he she thought he was. And you also have to think about the fact that, like, I think it would be easier for her to accept it if, like, 
everyone in her life was like the Duke and Duchess, you know, but mm-hmm. the queen was super nice to her. And, you know, her well, brother is is an ascended now. And, you know, she's got Victor and Tawny. So there are people who, you know, were major pieces of her in her life. And she has to just accept the fact that, like, oh, everyone she knows is wrong. And like this queen who took care of her was actually evil and like her brother is now this evil monstrous thing that like like I would have a hard time accepting that you know like Mm -hmm. I don't know and and I think it's really hard for her because she remembers her brother when she was younger and going through a trauma with him and so I think she holds him to a little bit higher standard than she does most people and then to all of a sudden be told okay he did this thing that made him evil yep and so, because there was a point where she was like, so do they willingly or do they force you to do this? Because she was trying to make an excuse for her brother right, to have done this without him being in control of it, if it did make them evil. Because like, and, and you have to think about the fact that like how she's known Hawk for less than a year, you know, mm-hmm. whereas Ian has been in her life her entire 18 years of life. So she's. Like, obviously, Ian's not there to, like, defend himself, and she doesn't really know anything about it because she hasn't seen him since he ascended. But everything she knows, she has to, like, rationalize. Like, I don't... And, as we have pointed out, Hawk lied to her about a lot of stuff. So, like, if she got to choose between Ian, who was there for her, or Hawk, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like she... I would... I just... I understand the conflict, I think. Yeah. Even though we as readers are like, that totally makes sense, and he's not lying to you, and you should... You should totally not worry about it you know logically (laughs) this adds up better than the story you were told yeah the one thing that i had i don't i don't want to say a problem with but a problem with is it kept going back to the maiden the maiden the maiden and i think at one point i was like okay i get it she's the maiden it's special let's move past that point and figure out like what's going on in the rest of the story so yeah that was my I think the hardest part with me finishing that first half is like there was repetition of certain themes. Like just in case you didn't understand it the last 30 times I said this, this is going to be important for you later. That's fair. Yeah. I think it also it goes back to Jesse's point about this being Armand Trout's first high fantasy, too. And she was mm-hmm. just like really trying to drive the fact home with all of this world building that and all the rules that she was dumping on the reader. So. I totally agree with you on that. You need to understand this. Yeah, it gets better, I think. Yeah, I know the second half of the way I I loved. So it was just the first half that I was like, okay. So for everybody out there listening, get past that first half because it does get better. (laughs) Just keep swimming. I can't wait until you finish the second book, Tara. I'm I'm working on it. I'm working. The ending. That's all safe. Any any last words on From Blood and Ash? Any scenes or quotes or any character insights and that kind of thing? Besides all of the like red flags that Hawk threw up, I really liked him. So I don't know what that says about me as a person because I saw the red flags. So I'm like, you know what? I can get over that. Like, it's okay. Mark, You're it's- a compulsive liar. Yes, it, I think it was. It, I think humor. I went over a lot of things. So, Jeff, Tara is obsessed with Lucifer 
And there were so many times like reading, you know, Hawk or Castile's dialogue and that kind of thing, or where it kind of comes across that way. If you're familiar with that show, mm-hmm. not so, familiar with that show, yeah, the wit and banter between Hawk and Poppy does. It's like it's it's one of the things that kept me going through that the whole first book. Like the second book is so phenomenal, and I, I it's my favorite so far of the three. I think, but even though it, it also has its problems, but I I loved the the character dynamic between poppy like and the juxtaposition of like poppy being this innocent like sheltered she's she should be like this meek quiet you know Mm -hmm. hard to speak her mind person and yet instead she's quippy she's witty she's argumentative she's bold you know in ways that like really speak to me you know and and the the way armand trout writes their dialogue scenes is like is phenomenal and then like even as like we see part of it at the end of the the first book with Kieran and like with the the woven who tries to kidnap Poppy at the beginning I'm trying to remember what his name is that like tries to attack her when she's in the (laughs) the cell like all of the dialogue was really great for me like everybody so I have a recommendation for you then. Okay. I think you should take a look at Lucifer. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Just saying. No. Here we go. Well, you know, Tara, I've I've watched or listened to a couple of your guys' previous podcast episodes, and I will tell you that the fact that you recommended Angel does give you good points for your television recommendations because that happens to be my favorite television series of all time. So I just may see Sandra. I I think Sandra's problem is that she didn't watch Buffy first. So a lot of Angel may have gotten lost. Like, because I fell in love with Angel and Buffy. I watched Angel Uh, first. Okay, then Sandra, I got nothing for you. (laughs) I watched Angel first and it didn't matter to me at all. I was also like 10, which is a very young age to be watching that show. But like it was on it was on TNT at four o'clock in the afternoon which was right when i would get home from school and my mom wasn't home yet so she didn't know but sorry mom i was watching inappropriate <laughs> but yeah i mean definitely i think the buffy like if you were to go back and watch the first three seasons of buffy first it would give you a good premise but like angel is just such an intense redemption show and it's so great and i love it so much so have you watched it recently yeah, actually, I made my husband watch oh. all seven seasons of Buffy and all five <laughs> seasons of Angel. So, what yeah, is your husband to think? Uh, he liked Angel way more than he liked Buffy, but he did hate Cordelia all the way up. Oh my God, she's the worst. Season four. So, you know, Wesley is the best character in the show. So, I guess I don't know how far you are. I'm still trying to get through the first season. The seasons are so long. These were like when they were an hour long almost and 20 something episodes per season. And so I feel kind of like an a-hole now because we're recording an episode with Benjamin from Literature and Lo-Fi on Angel. And I feel like if this is your favorite show ever, we should have asked you too. Oh, well, that's okay. (laughs) I'm actually potentially going to be starting a podcast on Buffy and Angel with a friend, but 
I'm not sure yet if we're going to do it because he's never seen a single episode. And so we were going to think about doing an episode per episode where like he talks about it from like a newbie's perspective and I talk about it from like a veteran perspective. But yeah, I don't even have a name for it yet or anything. So like, don't look for it. (laughs) But it's just something in the works for me. I would I would listen to that. I like that structure a lot. Sandra needs some help getting through these episodes too. So like she might listen to that instead of watching them at this point. So she needs your help. Yeah. Make that show. Yeah. Season one of Angel is is I mean, I don't know that I would say it's even rough, but like getting into season two is really good. And then season three gets weird in my opinion, but then season four and season five are are darker but like in a good way so this is like the first half of this book that you made me read is and then okay. season two is the second half okay i'll do this i can do this i just needed to, de- to hear all of that i guess jesse yeah well hit me up anytime you need encouragement because like you can just even tell me what episode you're on and i'll be like oh it's so great <laughs> jesse is the time. best i feel like i can like message you about anything and you're just like right there giving me a pep talk about it or so excited about it <laughs> well and with with angel i used to buy the the box set at target for mm-hmm. like 60 bucks a box set and then we would like my sister and i would like binge it so like before netflix was even a, a thing we were binge watching tv shows and it was always angel and then we went through buffy but like buffy has seven seasons so it was more expensive to get those but yeah yeah i think i only bought like three three seasons of Buffy just my favorite ones well I recently bought a box set of the seven seasons and then my dog ate them so he got in a lot of trouble that day (laughs) he like chewed them up when I was at home but you know but they're they're on Amazon Prime I think they're on Facebook Watch and I think they're on Hulu so both Angel and Buffy so all right I'll do this if Tara finishes this series well, and if you like From Blood and Ash, you're going to love Angel. Like, it's yeah. just, there's so many, there's so many, I don't, I don't, I want to, I don't want to give away too much about either one because one of you hasn't seen the show and the other one hasn't read the book. <laughs> but they're great. Hey, so I don't mind spoilers. Like, I actually spoil things for myself because I'm like, okay, I really need to know what happened. So I like go and search. I'm like, okay. You're a terrorist. Okay. It happens the way I wanted it to, but I need to know before I get invested kind of like what you said earlier about like I need to wait for the second book and I need somebody to tell me who yeah who to go for yeah. I do that for myself and I just look up the spoiler like okay am I rooting for the right person here because I'm gonna be mad if I didn't yeah normally I'm against spoilers but with with Sarah J Mass, I just I need to know who to ship because I've been burned twice in a row now and I can't I can't handle it so yep yep she'll break your heart okay well Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about From Blood and Ash with us and even Angel. Like you have inspired me now to feel like reinvigorated about getting into the series and finishing it. So Sandra didn't you. trust me. No, oh, well, it's, it's so good. I want to go start it now. <laughs> the phone, I'm going to go just turn on my favorite episode. Yeah. Jesse, do you want to plug your your bookstagram handle or any of your social medias? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything other than Instagram, really, that I like would want to plug. But my my Instagram handle is tiaras.and.books. There's lots of pictures of of sparkly tiaras and books. Most of them are 
romance that I did just post about a Dungeons and Dragons thing, and there's like some children's books in there, so it's fun for the whole family. But yeah, so we'll we'll definitely have to like figure out a way to do like the rest of the series too. That'd yeah, be fun. But everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Next week is going to be Valentine's by the time this airs. So it's a good series to get into romantic, you know, and fantasy wise, if you're looking for some material to read over that holiday. So thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Jesse, so much for joining us and having some fun little geekish convos with us. So thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Were you going to say something, Tara? You look like you're about to say something or make fun. Nope. Nope. I was not. Okay, signing off. All right. Bye. Bye.